0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number four of the Camera Shake podcast with Nick Kirby and me, Kirsten Lutz, the photo and video podcast coming at you straight out of isolation into your eardrums. We'll be talking about talk life in lockdown, what's happening in the world outside, and if we're lucky, we'll hit on photography too. And it would really help us out if you could subscribe to the video version of this podcast on YouTube. You'll find the link in the show description. So without further ado, how's it going, Nick? Going all right, thanks. Okay, hey, how are you? Not bad, not bad. How are you how are How you are holding up in this um, lockdown situation?
1: Doing all right, doing all right. Weather's been actually really nice this week, so I've tried to get out in the garden a little bit more. Um, I'm starting to struggle with my hair. It is now impossible to deal with, <laughs> so I kind of just give up. Um, <laughs> but other than that, it's uh, been a pretty busy week. Um, lots of editing going on. I've made um, some, well, hopefully significant pre-production process, um, progress, sorry, on um, our next photo challenge, which is actually a video this time. So that'll be uh, coming up in next week's next week's episode. Yeah. Um,
0: other than that, it's been quite a re- relaxed week, I have to say. How about you? What have you been up to? Well, I've taken care of my hair situation. Obviously today, I decided it's, uh, you know, it's a hat day today. <laughs> So, oh, uh, although having said that of course i haven't seen the inside of her of her hairdressers for mm. 25 years no. <laughs> so you know so the benefits of long hair i assume you've got very long hair then <laughs> well i mean I, I do get it cut like twice a year but it's uh, you know yeah it's sort of a do yourself kind of a job <laughs> not that not i cut this. it myself but you know there are family members who are you know stepping up to the plate mm-hmm. i'm just thinking you know how much money have i saved in 25 years how much is it? How much is a haircut these days? That's worth. Like,
1: that's worth working out.
0: Yeah, I mean, how how much do you pay for for a haircut? You don't want to know.
1: <laughs>
0: you really don't want to know. But I am correct in thinking that uh, haircuts for men are considerably less expensive than than haircuts for for ladies, right? Yeah, yeah, that should. They, yeah, that's
1: definitely true. I mean, I I, I, I pay in the region of about thirty pounds. Um, Every time I go. Um, okay, so how
0: often? How often per year do you go? About six, every six weeks. Every six. Every six weeks. Yeah. Thirty pounds. Okay. So that's five pounds per week, really.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's probably paid for a good bit of camera kit for me then. <laughs> that's the way I equate that.
1: <laughs> Maybe that's what I do. I just I'm just not going to cut my hair again, so I can just buy another camera,
0: couple that's of it. lenses. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're thinking about switching camera systems, that's the way to go. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah. So other than um, not going to the hairdressers, um, yeah, it's been it's been a fairly busy week. I actually did a, a photography contract last week, which was um, interesting. You know, in these in these times of lockdown and everything, um, but it was a it was a commercial uh, shoot on a construction site, mm. and um, it's a very very large site, and there was literally nobody else there, so it was all very very safe um but that was how, you know how, how did that
1: go um what, what type of shot were these internal shots
0: or external ones that you needed to do well they they're, they're a bit of both um okay. they're large of so distribution centers so they are you know very very large buildings um and so it's a combination of uh, interior shots and exterior shots basically um are big blue boxes <laughs> you know um so it's it's always a it's an interesting challenge to make them look good um, but, um, yeah, it, it was, it was, it's actually fun. It's just fun to get out of the house, you know, and yeah. to do something different for a change. Um, so that was really, you know, very welcome. Yeah. Um, and it was like a whole day kind of shoot. So
1: I'm, I'm quite jealous that you have been able to get out and do some, you know, something fun and enjoyable, even though it's, it's work. Right. But it's yeah. fun and enjoyable and, you know, I've been tr- trying to work out now what, um, what I could do next week is a kind of a mini project where I can go outside and do it on my my own. Um, So I'm going to have some some thoughts over that over the next couple of days.
0: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's interesting because it feels like, for some reason, it feels like we're coming to the, I don't know, like the final part of the lockdown now. You know, things are starting to kind of go back in other countries, maybe more than over here in the UK at the moment, but Mm -hmm. I think, it's, it feels to me like it's busier outside. I don't know about you, but you know, it, it just feels like there's, there's more going on, you know, yeah, when, I think you know, when we go for our daily true. exercise or, you know, um, you know, on a trip to the supermarket or something, it just feels like there's more traffic maybe, mm. you know, I don't know. Just, I think, um,
1: I think you're right. It definitely is busier out there and not wanting, wanting to get political in any way. Um, but. You know, perhaps our government is not moving at quite the right pace that it should be. But, you know, economy's got to get going. Just, let's hope that it works out in the in the right way. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's really, I think it's impossible to say what the right thing to do is at the moment. You know, mm. um, I'm sort of looking at, you know, uh, other countries like Germany, for example. Um, and again, this isn't political in any way, shape or form. It's just that I have family in Germany. And of course, they're moving um, They're ahead of us. A little bit, you know, a good—I don't know—a few weeks or a month or something—and um, a lot of things are going back to more or less normal, or the new normal, if you want. Yeah. Um, but certainly, you know, a lot more freedoms have have opened up there. And you know, it's interesting when you speak to people, like when I speak to um, to my relatives. Some some people are all for it; others don't think it's a good idea. You know, it's—I uh, find it impossible to judge what the right thing to do is at the moment. Yeah. So, you know. It's uh, so I take, you know, I um, cherish every opportunity that I get to get out of the house and to do to do things differently. Uh, but I'm also very safety conscious. Still.
1: Mm, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, as you know, I play in a, um, you know, obviously I, I play bass as well. And I play in a f- function band mm-hmm. normally at the weekends. And that's been on stop for weeks and weeks and weeks now. Um we were actually having a chat um last night funnily enough just to decide or we'll try and work out when we think we're going to be able to resume playing and i think the upshot is is it could easily be september october before we're we can get out gigging again and yeah that's a
0: depressing thought that really is that's yeah it really is it's depressing mm. yeah it's um you know and it's not it's not great for kids either my, you know no. my kids are i think they're sick to death of having to be uh, you know confined to the house yeah but you know better safe than sorry as i say yeah you know so anyway so having said that there have been um, a number of uh, really interesting developments in the world of photography um this week or this last week so what sort of stuff have you come across nick
1: um i s- a couple of days ago, his photo caught my eye. Um, there's a photographer called um, Ayan. I hope I say this correctly, Ayan Menon, and he, he as, he, as he said, he was listening to a song, and for some reason, the Joker from Batman popped into his head, and him falling out of a window, uh, like a skyscraper type window, um, with no look of despair on his face just, you know, still looking how you'd expect the Joker to look. So he decided (laughs) to go about trying to create that photo at home. And, you know, if if you're thinking, you know, if that thought pops into your head, you know, you may think, well, how are you going to be able to do something like that? You know, it's the Joker. So what he ended up doing was he got an action figure that he owned of the Joker and a load of household items and created this fake scene. So he set his camera up, you know, above and pointing down. And he's got the Joker figure in kind of a falling type position, um, just attached by, you know, a, kind of a, a stick, which he edit out later, and then started positioning different household items around him to look like a skyscraper around him. So he's taken oh, wow. like a long cover from his air conditioning unit and because that's got holes in he's then put that vertically to make it look like the side of a skyscraper mm-hmm. and because of those holes he's able to put little tea, like uh, led t lights um that side to shine through to give the appearance of you know lights on in the in the skyscraper and then he's got other other items like the filters from his ac um bluetooth speakers keyboards ice trays um mm-hmm anything like an old computer as well, you know, you know, tower, you know, taking the side off and p- positioned all these things around and then started doing a bit more lighting and he put snow everywhere as well. And the way he recreated the snow was quite interesting. He used, um, what did he use? He used shaving foam mixed with uh corn flour, and so that was kind of the heavy snow on the ground. And then yeah. um, the snow in, that he put in the air was hairspray shot with a flash. Nice. <laughs> Which is crazy. And you start looking at some of this, you know, he's got a keyboard on its side. So if you position that and shoot that in just the, right ang- at just the right angle, that could easily look like another skyscraper to the side, particularly if you put this snow covering on it as well. And I'll tell you, what he's produced is fantastic. Um, he's got some kind of shots from the outside too. So you can see what it looks like. And, but the final image he's done, what a great job. It could, it could come straight out of a, uh, a comic book. It looks really, oh, really fantastic.
0: Cool. Um, this, I, I love that, that, that you about you can... product photography very often, you know, especially with, um, when you see sort of beverages, like, you know, uh, beer bottles or wine bottles, um, or, uh, you know, bottles and glasses and stuff. Um, yeah. it's, it's very interesting how, um, how these like pearls of water are being, you know, recreated Mm. um, to look like the real thing when they're really not, you know, because of course, um, when when you're doing a product shoot, you know, it takes a long time to need, you need things to be not moving essentially. So, you know, what ends up looking like some pearls of water running down the side of a beer bottle or, you know, the kind of frosting on the bottle or something, that's not really frosting. Yeah. Or fake. but it looks so real you know i think in food photography for example you see that a lot um it's it's this thing if you ever been to mcdonald's and you looked at the you know you look at the menu cards and you kind of think that big mac never looks like that when i open my you know my box (laughs) (laughs) it never looks like that i feel like i feel like i'm in falling down right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) exactly um but you know so I find that really, really interesting, um, you know, to, uh, to kind of see how all of that's done. Yeah. It
1: um, really is. And this, you know, this, um, Menon's photo there, you know, just goes to show just a little bit of creative thinking and, you know, some, a little bit of time and a bit of careful consideration. You can create pretty much whatever you want to create at home. Um, yeah. you just need to
0: think about it in a, a slightly different way. That's cool, man. The point, I think that, you know, the the point being you can recreate it at home because especially now when, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're, you know, if you're into photography and you're sitting at home and you're thinking, like, you know, I can't go anywhere. What am I going to shoot? You know, um, maybe if you're into um, shooting wildlife, and of course that's difficult in a way, you know, it's difficult to get anywhere. um, Then these are really interesting things that you could practice at home, you know, because everybody's got a bottle in the fridge or something. Um, So this... I always find they're, they're really, there's, a, there's a great number of, of really useful kind of tutorial type videos on YouTube, for example, um, that can teach you a lot. And maybe now is the time to learn new things. Mm, absolutely. So I'll find a link to this photo and I'll get
1: that posted on our, our Facebook page. Um, and we'll also put it in the show notes uh, for the podcast below as well.
0: Okay, so here's the thing I came across, um, in fact, only yesterday um that really made me think um, now washington state has brought out guidelines for photographers who want to reopen their studios um at the end of lockdown so they've they've come up with a whole set of guidelines and it's very interesting to read through those so um i'll talk about those in a second mm-hmm. but it just made me think of you know what's going to happen when, when we go back to life as we sort of knew it, you know, and and how that, how that might change the way that, that we work uh, in photography in general. So the whole point obviously is to make your, your studio safe. Um, And uh, one of the things that you won't be able to do um, in the immediate future is to photograph any groups and that kind of makes sense. So it's really just, you know, photoshoots with individuals only. There can't, you know, there can't be any unnecessary paper products, so decor and uh, promotional marketing materials uh, need to be removed. Um, all equipment like props, chairs, benches, or anything a client might come into contact with must be sanitized frequently. Um, photoshoots can only happen on appointment. Um, so there's going to be enough time in between appointments, uh, obviously, to sanitize all the equipment. Um, outdoor sessions are recommended and should be used whenever possible. And and of course, photographers must maintain social distancing using a no-touch uh, posing technique mm. uh, kind of strategy. I mean, a, the no-touching whilst posing somebody is sort of a thing that... I think that's an unspoken rule. Maybe sometimes it's a spoken rule, but it's you know generally wouldn't want to touch models anyway um, and yeah, and of course uh, you can only photograph one client in the studio at at any one time um the only exception to that is if um if your model is or if your client is a minor then you know' or underage then obviously one parent can be present um do you find that very restrictive generally or? Do you it, think that's, I mean, that's a feasible way of of, uh, sort of getting things back up and started? Well, well it
1: is restrictive, but I'm would, i I'm more pleased that they're trying to get something going and rather than... I mean, what's the alternative? That they continue to be completely shut down, right? Yeah. So, you know, if you are a portrait photographer, then great. Hopefully you can start getting a little bit of business back, you know, whether the clients are going to be there or not. And still want to have portraits done during this time—that's another question, I guess. Um, but at least they're trying to get things moving, and by the sounds of it, in the safest possible way. Um, you know, over time, you know, in, in, a f- in a few weeks, it might open up a little bit more. A few weeks again, open up a little bit more, and then perhaps by you know, the end of the year, uh, maybe the start of next year, they'll be able to do what they would normally have normally have done.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that it's, it's, it's a very sensible, um, policy really, um, to get things, you know, back up and running. Cause I do think that obviously we'll have to get back to, uh, you know, back to business at some point. Mm. Um, and, uh, and although, you know, in a sense, you know, on one hand it is a whole lot of hassle having to sanitize all your gear all the time and not being able to, to do groups. Um, but really, This seems like a pretty balanced alternative, I think. So, you know, when I read that, I kind of thought, well, this all makes sense. Um, As you say, it makes sense for, uh, you know, or it's good news for for portrait photographers, for example. Um, I'm worried still about event photography um, and that side of the business because um, large group gatherings, that's really not going to happen anytime soon, I don't think. So, um, you know, shooting conferences, I shoot, quite a few conferences throughout the year. I think that's all, you know, all these plans have been put on ice yeah. for the foreseeable I mean, future. So um, during, really um, have... during last
1: week's interview with, um, with Dan Ackerley, you know, even he mentioned you know, him, him being a wedding photographer. And prior to that concert photography, but he, you know, he's saying that you know, his business was one of the first to kind of go down, if you like, to yep. get shut down because it's all event-based And it's also going to be the last to reopen. Um, And, you know, know, I I feel in the same position with my function band work. You know, it's first thing to go, last thing to come back. So it's,
0: it's very, 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 very difficult if you are an event photographer. Yeah. It's a chance, you know, I think it's an opportunity to do other things. That's, that's how I've always looked at it, as you know. Yeah. Um, it's also an opportunity to get all your gear back in order, you know, clean all your lenses, <laughs> you know. So when yeah. when things go back, then, you know, you're you're ready. Um, yeah. And, and that's just, I think that's that's the way to take it. Um, it may be an opportunity to change your business around a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. maybe if you haven't, um, you know, if you haven't done a lot of portrait photography, before, maybe now's the time mm. to, uh, to start looking into that. I feel that if, you know, as businesses go back, um, you know, possibly headshots are going to be one of the first things in this sort of corporate photography world that will possibly sort of bounce back a little bit. Uh, everybody's got a new hairstyle now. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this might be, the, might be the opportune moment to get some new headshots done. Mm. Um, and maybe, you know, yeah, it's, it's just it's just an opportunity when things go back to freshen up your LinkedIn profile, you know. Mm. So I think that maybe sort of the first, you know, those may be like the, the first uh, the first strands to come back. Um, yeah. And then, you know, the rest will follow, no doubt. I've got no doubt that, that things will, will pick up again. Um, but yeah, so that just caught my eye because I thought, you know, for once, that seemed like uh, seemed a very reasonable, uh, well balanced um, set of guidelines. You know, for photographers uh, to come back. So, I'm um, you know, I'm wondering whether you know our government will, will recommend something similar, or you know, or whether it's going to be done to to yeah. each person individually. But um, you know, if you're wondering, if you're a working photographer and you're wondering how things uh, could turn out. Uh, when, when we're going back, I think that's a, that's well worth reading, because that could give you some really good ideas as to how to start working safely um, over the next you know few months. Yeah. So yeah, so that's um, that's one thing that caught my eye this week. Um, how about you, Nick? Did you find anything else of interest?
1: I did. This is a bit bit techie that um, I came across, and um, so you may have seen over the last year or year or so that Samsung released a um, a couple of sensor chips, which were, um, I've written these down to make sure I remember them, which was 64 megapixels and 108 megapixel, um, sensor for phones, which is just insane, obviously. (laughs) Say that again, how
0: many megapixels?
1: They did one that was 108 megapixels. I don't know if that ended up in a phone yet or not, not sure, but they've, they've just, uh, unveiled one that's 50 megapixels which seems slightly more reasonable. But what's different about this is that it's going to be able to do dual pixel autofocus. Nikon, which is very cool. Um, And it's got different low light performance as well. And what's really interesting about this is that um, uh, under normal circumstances, good light, it will use the full 50 megapixel sensor but what it's now able to do is when it's in low light performance rather than using 50 megapixels it'll end up producing a 12 and a half megapixel picture but how it's doing that is combining four pixels into one so right. ultimately it's able to take in more light but so to be able to do both of those things is just spectacular um when it will go into a phone i don't know but you kind of get into the point now where um, do you need a DSLR, shoot great video and take great pictures. Maybe, maybe not. Um, yep. We will see when this gets into a phone. I think ultimately you do, oh. it's just going to be, they're just different. They do things slightly differently. A DSLR is always going to have its own edge given the other flexibility that it's got. Um, but if you want to shoot video and photo on your phone now, and that kind of a sensor is in it, you're going to come out with some stunning, stunning footage.
0: Well, I think that's the thing. It's uh, the thing about low light performance. Not necessarily. It's not really the sensor size because larger sensors will, you know, will allow you to have a bigger opening in the lens and and uh, get more light in. Um, and that's you know, it's just physics essentially. Um, the megapixel count is an interesting one because. Um, you know any any low light photographer will tell you that you know if you you know if you use a camera with a very high megapixel count like you know sixty megapixels or something the low light performance on that will usually not be that great compared to like let's say a twenty four megapixel um, camera and, and that's interesting to me is that you know is that that uh, that sensor will automatically Kind of ramp down to twelve megapixel in a low mm-hmm. light um, yeah. scenario. So that's an interesting, that's sort of an interesting way of looking at things. Um, I think. So um, I think you know the question as to whether um, smartphones can make DSLRs or uh, mirrorless cameras redundant. You know that's been around for for a few years, really. Um, mm. And I think. It's not a matter of one replacing the other. It's as you say, you know it's it's a, it's a thing of like you know different horses for different courses. Yeah. Um, there are situations where smartphones work really, really well, like for instance, you know, just think like you're out and you know out and about and you're you're out with the family or you're on holiday or something, you always have your phone with you. if you see something that's really interesting you want to take a photo of. Um, then you have your phone on you. And one of the biggest drawbacks of like a big camera, a camera, whether that's a DSLR or whether it's a mirrorless or whether it's a pro camera or whatever type of camera it is, is the fact that it's, you know, it's big and it's chunky and you got to carry it with you. And what if you're just on the way to the supermarket and you see something that's interesting, but you got your phone with you? Well, you know, you've got a really decent camera in that. Um, and the video performance... I think generally, in smartphones, has come on such a long way. Um, you know, I've, you know even um, there was a there's a thing I read not too long ago. You know, do you remember the director Steven Sonderberg? Oh yeah. Um, he shot a whole movie on iPhone. So the video quality of that of the, of our smartphones these days is is really great. They didn't was it? I want to
1: say it was Bentley. Who did shot an an advert all on the iPhone as well? Um, oh, yeah, and it's the reason a they, they ended up doing it. that because they had um, kind of some kind of MacBook connectivity in the back seats, or oh, I don't know exactly what it was now, but there was a reason that they did it that way. Obviously, there was a ton of editing that happened afterwards and all of that, but the actual footage was shot on an on an iPhone.
0: I'll yeah. I'll dig out a link and get that shared as well because it, it's actually it's a cool advert,
1: really cool advert
0: yeah the, i think the question is always um from a purely from a professional point of view you know if you're if you're talking about post production is how much flexibility you have in the files um mm. to you know to make adjustments um like you know one of the biggest differences um that I see all the time um you know even when and you can shoot raw on iPhones, for example you know so you can you can shoot in raw format um, for those listeners who who don't we're not really aware of what the differences between raw and jpeg um JPEG is essentially a compressed file um, and RAW is a, is a much bigger file that allows you to, to get a lot more detail out of the shadows in particular. So it's a much larger file. Um, the camera uh, captures a lot more information. And then when you're in post-production, um, you have a lot more flexibility when you edit the photos. So for, exa- for example, um, you know, what I mean by uh, detail in the shadows, if you look at a photograph and it seems very dark in certain areas, um, you can basically bump the shadows up and you can bring out a lot more detail which at first appear to have been lost and you'll notice that there's a lot more detail there so when you're working on a photograph in post you know you can you can get those details back um whereas in a jpeg for example that's not really possible or it's it's possible to a very limited degree Mm -hmm. so um but a raw file isn't a raw file so not all not all raw files are created equal as they say so um, you know when I when I shoot raw on a drone for example or um, on on an iPhone then although I have some degree of flexibility afterwards imposed it's by no means comparable to um, to a DSLR um, or a mirrorless camera so you know as an example um i use a, a nikon d750 a lot for a lot of different jobs And I, I use it because of its a really excellent low light performance um and i know that i can get a lot of detail out of the shadow areas um, of the image in post production which makes it so useful for concept photography for example mm. you know where a lot of stuff happens and you know a lot of, uh, the, light, the lighting conditions are not necessarily always great so that's really the major difference it would be interesting to see how those how those um Smartphones, you know, hold up when it comes to the when it comes to actually when it comes to the files and how usable yeah. they are actually going to be. Um, this actually um, leads me on to a,
1: a, another thing that I read about earlier, earlier this week. And full disclaimer right now: I don't watch this program at all. I can't. I, I usually can't stand this kind of thing, but the story caught my attention and it's because you know uh, being a musician like yourself i'm interested how the how these how they go about these things and that is american idol have not wanted to stop filming and doing their show while we're going through the the pandemic and for really good reasons you know they they know more people are at home more people want to watch tv and so they don't want to turn their show off if they can help it and not just put reruns on or whatever. So they're continuing the competition. And so what they've done is they've sent um, two, three, four iPhone 11 Pros to each of the contestants and the judges. They have sent them tripods and they um, have sent them a, a ring light as well. And so what they've done, they've given them guidance on how to set up and they are filming themselves perform then I assume those files are then transferred to the judges. They watch that back and film themselves um, with their reaction and what they would normally do on the show. And so the production team are actually in their own homes right now as well, on the phone, I I guess another iPhone 11, calling the contestants and talking them through the angles that they need to get, um, how they need to set up to get the absolute best footage um, for it. Well, I mean, what a great way to go about it. I haven't yet seen the footage. I've seen some photos of the setups, but not the footage itself. Um, so they're filming in 4K uh, 60. Um, I think the iPhone 11 Pros do. But what a great way. What a great way to go about it. What an ingenious approach. And for a show like that, relatively low cost. You know, Don't get me wrong. These phones are very, very expensive. But for a show like that, that's nothing for them. Um, for the audio, I, they haven't got into any detail about how they're actually doing that. Um, my assumption is, is that, because they're using mic microphones, uh, my assumption is that they're using something like IK Multimedia's iRig to record the audio directly into an iPhone. Perhaps they've also sent them an external audio recorder to do it that way and just haven't mentioned it. I, I don't know, but they're doing it some way like that to get reasonable or hopefully decent quality audio for it. But yeah, I just thought well, I'd mention that one now as we were talking about phone, phone filming and whatnot.
0: But that's interesting to think though mm. that that's all happening on smartphones now because you know, whatever happened to GoPro?
1: I don't talk about GoPro. I'm <laughs> wondering.
0: <laughs> I very much dislike my GoPro. <laughs> they,
1: they, again, and, this, and this, the SLRs have their place for what they do well phones are going to have their place for what they do well and gopro absolutely has a place for what they do well i think we all know what they don't do very well and that's film anything else that's not in broad daylight <laughs> it's just no good the footage is horrible um i i haven't used anything <laughs> yeah. past the hero 5 so i'm sure it's a lot better these days um, but i've not really really looked at them
0: but GoPro, if you're listening uh, and you want to send us a Hero Seven to review, <laughs> we are totally up for Absolutely. that. Absolutely, no doubt. So this ties in nicely with the other thing that's caught my eye this week, and that's the fact that uh, DJI has brought out the Mavic Air Two. Mm. Um, so I'm interested in that naturally because I, I love flying drones, um, just as a hobby, of course. But um, I've been uh, a DJI user for, for several years now, um, and. I I love the technology I I love the uh the way um these drones fly and I've actually been really surprised with the video quality and the photo quality that that I've been uh, able to get out of the uh the Mavic Air which is um uh, the drone model that I mm-hmm. that I've flown so far. So Nick, do you fly drones at all? I
1: haven't no, I I never have flown one, but um a couple of episodes ago you mentioned a story actually about um a guy taking drone drone footage and drone photos, and since that point, uh, it's just intrigued me even more, and I'd, I'd like to get out and be able to to fly one. So you've got the 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 first version, right? So what what's what's the difference between the
0: first one and the the second uh, sort of the Mark II, if you like, that they have released? Well, so that's really the thing that's um, that's caught my eye because you'd you'd expect sort of you know incremental improvements, um, you know the. The Mavic Air has a 12 megapixel camera, for example, um, and you would expect, you know, you would expect him to bump that up maybe to a 20 megapixel, 24 megapixel. That would have been great. 48, 48 in a drone, 48 megapixels is the new, is the new model. That's incredible. I mean, that's just like, that's like, wow. what happened there? Wow. Yeah. So, um, so the improvements are not incremental at all. They're massive. It's a completely new drone, you know. Um it's slightly bigger mm-hmm. than the previous model, um, but really only slightly. It's not I don't think it's that much. It's um and I've got the Mavic here. Um if you think about that, that's that's the full, you know, extended drone. That's that's not very big at yeah. all. That really you know, if you wear a hoodie. That drone, if it's folded up, that fits into your hoodie pocket. You know, so that's that's really um that's a very small form factor um for a drone with with those capabilities. But the air two is a touch bigger, but what you get for that is worth it. Absolutely worth it. Um so you know, the uh the camera's been upgraded massively. Um but the other thing that's that's um that I found really uh, interesting is the fact that the the flight time has been increased. So the battery, the battery power has been imp- increased. Mm. Whilst previously with the Mavic Air, you could um, you could keep that drone in the air for about twenty, I think twenty one minutes or something like that was the flight time per battery. Um, they've bumped it up to thirty four minutes now. Okay. So thirty four minutes. That's that's a seriously decent amount of flight time per battery. Yeah. Having said that. These batteries are expensive. They they come in at about I think roughly about a hundred pounds sterling per battery. A lot of money for a battery. That's not cheap. Um, yeah, I mean it's and you need several batteries. So you know usually when I when I take my drone out, you know I probably I'll take about three batteries mm-hmm. out or something. Uh, Flies so I'll fly for about an hour. Um, in in an area close by where I live, um, there's a more, so it's legal to fly there. So that's a that's a that's a very important. Um, when you fly drones, is to make sure you stay legal. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that in a second, but um, but uh, yeah. So if you can find an area um, that allows you to fly to fly these things, it's really really great fun, and you get some really interesting um, photographs that way, like landscape type photographs. Yeah. Or, you know. Um,
1: so is there enough of an upgrade here for you to consider selling your? your current drone and, and purchasing the new
0: one yeah I've definitely thought about it really yeah Excellent. I've definitely thought about it um it's you know it, it's it is a completely different drone mm. we talked about this previously you know uh, actually in conjunction with um with the new iPhones and you know I my iPhone is about is about two years old and you know my contract came to an end and I was thinking about upgrading and when I looked at the most recent, I don't know what it is, iPhone 12 or something. Um, It just wasn't enough of an upgrade Mm. to warrant, you know, to warrant me spending more money on it. It just wasn't, like, I didn't feel like it was worth the money, you know? Um, And so I decided not to upgrade this time and uh, to wait, you know, maybe for the next generation of iPhones. And I think I'm just going to hang tight with my trusty iPhone 10, (laughs) you know? and uh and, and wait uh, and and see whether the next generation is you know is worth the extra spend um but with this drone with the Mavic Air 2 oh man it really 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 looks mm. very very good and from what i've seen so far so uh Mavic Air 2 footage that i've seen um uh, on youtube for example it does really look good you know um uh it has uh, it has two different color profiles as well so from from a video perspective um it's it's really very very interesting um the gimbal is pretty much the same and i have to say that uh the gimbal performance on the mavic air i've really enjoyed that i mean it's funny this because even if you just turn the camera on you start recording you don't you know even without even flying the drone if you just walk along with it it's a great steady cam i mean <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like you don't no need to spend you know 800 quid on a um on a on a gimbal if you have a drone already yeah That'll do it, nice. <laughs> you know. What, um? What um, are they pricing this at? Um, I think that that will come in in the UK probably around about the eight hundred pound mark. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's not, it's not that, it's really not that far off from what the original Mavic Air was when I bought it. Um, when I bought mine, maybe two years ago. Okay. Something like that. Um, I think there's been an improvement on the um. On the sensors as well, because the uh, what the uh, what the Mavic Air does is it has some sort of anti anti collision sensors. Um, so you know if you're if you're heading straight for I don't know a lamppost or a tree or something, it'll sense that object and it will literally fly around it. Um, and it has uh, sensors on the on the front and the back. And I think I think the Mavic Pro now has improvement on those sensors, mm. um, which is which is really, uh, which is very good. To be honest, flying these type of drones is not very hard at all. A lot of the, a lot of the flying is actually done automatically. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got these these uh, anti-collision sensors, uh, that makes makes it fairly safe to fly. Um, they take off and land themselves automatically. You literally just have to press a button, and the thing takes off. You don't have to really worry worry about that very much. Um, it has a like a come home button, so if you run into trouble, um, you just click a button and the thing just returns home to the exact GPS location that it that it took off from. Wow. You know, um, I've run into trouble a couple of times uh, in like slightly windy conditions, um, and not too long ago, um, I lost all uh, video connection with it because it's because there were obviously there were probably um, obstacles in the way and it was it was windy and maybe I was flying a little far. Um you just press one button, the thing just comes back to you. <laughs> That's great. Um, and from a video perspective, um, there are a number of really uh, really cool follow modes, so you can uh, you can set it to track you, so the tracking on is very good. Um, and you know it can track you whilst you're walking, for example, or you're cycling or riding a skateboard or something like that. You can just set it up so that it tracks you. and if you take the tracking functionality in combination with a gimbal with a really well. Um, functioning, you know, three-axis gimbal and 4K video, you've got a seriously cool Steadicam mm. on your hands there, you know, and especially for moving objects like if you're, you know, again, if you're, uh, if you're running or, um, you know, on your bike or something, um, you can do some really cool things. Um, with that, it can basically track you. It can uh, track you from the side. Um, there's certain modes where it can circle around you. So if you're if you're running or you're cycling, you have like you know like a helicopter shot circling around you um, always tracking you in the center of the frame wow it is, yeah it's, it's very 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 impressive what that technology can do oh man um and since the the quality in uh, with the Mavic Air 2 is is so much better and, you know um yeah it's a, it's a really it's very very impressive you know, update on the on the old Mavic Air. Tell you what, so, you may have convinced me to go buy one. <laughs> Do you work for them? I forget. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but again, you know, if uh, DJ I want to send us uh, a Mavic Air to to uh, to review, then two of them, we're, please. We're more than more than happy to oblige. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, the thing about flying drones, you know, we talked um, a couple of ediso- episodes um, ago about this Lithuanian um, photographer who. Uh, uses his drone to uh, create really interesting, funny uh, photographs in yeah. in lockdown. And so, just as a quick recap, so what he did was he um, he basically took photographs of people through their windows. And you know, we talked about this last time. This may sound weird, but it was all in, this was all arranged. This was all done with um, full permission, and you know the uh, the people. That he photographed, you kind of know, dressed up for it, you and know, some fancy dress, and some funny poses and stuff. And you know, the result, the end result, were really, really interesting, interesting photographs. And I think there's a link on our Facebook page as well, if you want to have a look at that. So I'm
1: guessing that if if that's okay uh, to be done in in Lithuania, how would that sit in the UK? Are the laws different here than they are in other countries?
0: Yeah, the thing about um, drone laws is that, that, that they, do differ, they do differ a lot in different countries. Okay. So it's, um, you know, it's potentially very, very different. And I'm not really 100% up on what the laws are exactly in Lithuania. But in order to um, fly a drone in the UK, you have to actually register. So you have to register the drone and you have to register as a pilot. And you have to do a little test um, that basically proves that you are fully aware of, um, of what the dr- drone okay. laws are. In the UK, so um, and that's really true um, for any drone that weighs more than two hundred and fifty grams. So anything like the Mavic Air or the the Mavic Air two, they really fall into that category. You know, anything that's any drone that's heavier than two hundred and fifty grams um, must be registered with the the CAA, so the Civil Aviation Authority, and you have to do um, like a little pilot test mm-hmm. for that. And that's really for just a normal operation of a um, of a drone. So you know. Um, for recreational use and so on. Uh, when it comes to commercial use of a drone, so if you do commercial photo shoots um, or anything that results in you making any form of money from a photo shoot, that's really classed as a um, as a commercial sort of shoot, and that actually includes YouTube videos as well, mm. because you could potentially you know you could monetize the video and make money from that. So um, mm. so for that you need to have a commercial drone license, and that's much more expensive. So I think just a, a you know a standard recreational license costs something like I don't know seven pounds a year or something. So it's not expensive at all, um, uh, but it means that you have to take a little test, and uh, and you have to uh, you know you have to get your your pilot's license as it right. were, which by the way you have to carry with you <laughs> when you fly drone. So you know it's one of these one of these things. Um, there's actually there's two things in the uk you have to have an operator license which um has to be displayed on the drone itself and that's, I, i'm guessing you know that's in case a drone falls out of the sky or something ends up in somebody's backyard right. and um, that way they can trace who the owner of the drone is um, which i think makes perfect sense and that's you know, that's absolutely fine and the other thing is um you have to have a pilot's license because the person owning the drone and the person flying the drone May potentially be two different people. Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, um, so for me, you know, since I own a drone and I also fly the drone at the same time, I have to have both. I have, the, have to have the operator license and the pilot's license for it. Um, so,
1: when we're at this situation, let's say I was, I was, I came to you and we went out to fly the
0: drone. I mm. actually couldn't fly your drone. Then, is that what we're saying? No. Yes. Correct. So you wouldn't be able to. Um, to operate the drone okay. um, without a, a pilot's license. Although having said that, you know, it's really easy for you to you can get you can simply sign up for a pilot's license without actually owning a drone. OK, gotcha. You know, so so that wouldn't be and it would cost you something. And I think it's somewhere in the region of about seven pounds or something. So it's not, you know, it's not the end of the mm-hmm. world. Um, it basically means that you have to be aware of the um, the rules and, and regulations mm-hmm. of the drone law in the UK. Um, but again, it's it's really not, it's it's really not very difficult or draconian or anything in any way, shape, or form. You know, um, just to give you, you know, a few examples. Like, there's a maximum altitude um, for drones. Um, so it's, that's which is 400 feet, um, and that's because you you don't want your drone to interfere with air mm-hmm. traffic. You know, so you got to keep drone under 400 feet um and that's about I think that's about 120 meters roughly and that's pretty high I mean it's I don't really see that you would have to go beyond that for any reason anyway unless it's sort of a commercial operation and you you know you're doing uh, drone photography um of the Shard in London or something like that but uh, you know generally speaking you know 400 feet is is plenty um and Uh, And in terms of like the horizontal distance, um, that cannot go beyond 500 meters. A lot of those drones have much more of a reach. So Theoretically, they could fly a lot further away from you, but that's the regulation in the UK is 500 meters uh, from you horizontally. Um, And of course, you got to ensure that your drone is always in sight because you have to be able to, uh, you know, remain in control of the aircraft. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be able to see your uh, your drone so that means if the weather is such that you know you don't have that kind of you can't see for that distance then you won't be able to fly that drone that far um you know so the other things to to watch out for is um is just the distance between the drone and uh, and other people vehicles you know buildings um and uh and congested areas so as an example you know as an example, so you got to keep your drone at least fifty meters away from people or cars or something like that. So if you're close to a road or a, you know a motorway mm-hmm. or something like that, you have to keep that fifty meter distance. Um, uh, and you could you know stay away, um, from from buildings um as well, and that's that actually increases to one hundred and fifty meters if it's a really congested area. So if you're like near, um. A large group of, of people like at a concert, for example, or a sporting event or something like that, you gotta keep uh, 150 meters distance from from those. Um and of course again, you wanna like, well, how how do they do these uh drone shots, you know, where they fly over crowds and everything at concerts? Well, it's because as a commercial drone pilot, um there are different, you know, there's a difference there. So if you're a commercial drone pilot, then you've gotta register your flight paths with the C- CAA and there's you know there's a lot more leeway that you have um, as a commercial drone pilot but you have to have a commercial mm-hmm. you know pilot's license and again that's really costly that's in the region of probably about like a thousand pounds or something you know you
1: might consider you know some of those rules and regulations as restrictive but they don't sound all that restrictive to me considering what you're going no, to be doing with it 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 sounds pretty flexible, actually, from my perspective.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds safe. You yeah. know, that's the uh, that's the thing. Um, you also, you know, obviously, you are got to stay away from, um, from airports. All of this is common sense, yeah. to be honest. I mean, clearly, you don't want to fly your drone in the flight path of an airplane. I mean, wh- why would anybody want to do that in their right mind? That's mm-hmm. just insane. So all of these things are really there to protect um, the general public, you know, from from any potential accidents that could happen with your drone. And, you know, I don't think it's limiting at all. Uh, I have a lot of fun flying my drone. I don't fly it in the middle of the city, obviously. Um, But, uh, you know, there are, if you look around, there are areas where you can safely uh, fly your drone. Um, So, you know, that's just, um, those are just a few. I mean, you know, this is in no mean, by no means exhaustive. Um, So, you know, there are, there are more uh, rules to follow when it comes to uh, flying drones, but in principle, you know, we've covered some of the most important ones. Um, But, you know, it's one of these things. I think drones always, uh, I think drones often get a a bad press, especially when you hear of uh, incidents um, like, you know, the Heathrow or Gatwick uh, incident where some nutcase, you flew a drone like over the airport, you know, that's not normal behavior. I mean, the vast, vast, vast majority of recreational drone pilots would never think of even going close to an airport. It's, you know, it's, it's like, you know, um, you know, that's that's nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that potentially the dangers are are there. So that's why uh, that regulation has come in, into place. And, um, yeah, and I, I think, you know, if you're thinking about Flying a drone, um, then just know how to do it safely. So that's it. We've come to the end of this week's episode of the Camera Shake podcast. With me, Kirsten Nuts and Nick Kirby. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it, and we hope to see you again next week. Uh, by the way, if you're listening to the audio version of the Camera Shake podcast, then be aware that you can see us in full Technicolor and in all of our glory over on YouTube. Um, And if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, then it'd be awesome if you could do that. Throw us a solid subscribe. Um, We are working hard to gain uh, 100 subscribers. That's our big goal at the moment. So without further ado, I hope you had fun and we'll see you again next week.